the song but the latter part of each stanza the songwriter says open my eyes then he says open my ears and then he says open my heart and we as Christians have had our eyes and our ears and our hearts open and it's been the spirit of the Lord coming to you personally and many of us uh, grew up in dead religion and there we were that's that was our life we knew nothing more and then it was an intervention of the Spirit, and something changed within us. And we were birthed from above. And that began this journey. I don't have a Sunday school per se. There's a chapter here that the Lord has been bringing my attention to this morning in Corinthians. And it would be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> what I'm going to do is just read the verses and, um, and comment as, as we go on. Verse 1, and I, brethren, this is Paul, of course, speaking to the Corinthian church. When I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. He said, I did not come with the excellency of speech uh, or wisdom. And when he says wisdom, of course, he's referring to the Greek philosophy, you know, they were into knowledge and wisdom, and, you know, a lot of the philosophers came from the Greek culture. But he said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. And I see today that the ones that are held in high esteem are the ones that have excellent speech. And Paul says the direct opposite. So if we would sit here, if Paul the Apostle would come, I believe that a lot of people, not necessarily here, but if a lot of people would hear him, he would not be their choice to listen to and sit under. They'd rather sit under the, the orator, the Apollos, or whomever. But see, excellence, excellency of speech is one thing. Now, it's okay to be able to speak well. But speaking well alone is a natural thing. When you're dealing with the scriptures and you're dealing with that which we see here uh, in, the, in the Bible, you're dealing with something that's not natural. You're dealing with something that's on a spiritual plane and a spiritual level. Excellency of speech, see, that alone, and there are a lot of ministers who can speak. They can get up and they can get behind a pulpit and, you know, they can go right down, A, B, C, D, all the way down. But see, the Lord is not so much interested in that as he is the Spirit of God in what is said. So the Spirit of God in what is said means to me that the person has an inner walk with God and they're walking in places that the will and purpose of God for them is taking them, not necessarily a place that they may want to go, but see now in those places, the Spirit of God witnesses to our spirit. You know, this is the way, walk ye in it. And so in those places is where 
the true man and woman of God are made. And when they speak, yes, it's words. Yes, they speak, and words come out. But a life lived in God will have the witness of the Spirit in the words when there is the ministry of the Word. So Paul says, I didn't come just with words, excellency of speech, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined, verse 2, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, when we read that, and of course the context leans to that, where he's speaking about Jesus' death on the cross. And we know that. That's true. And he says, I came preaching the cross of Christ. But if you hold your place there and go to Galatians, when you go to different churches, some of you maybe have not gone to different churches. I don't know if you've ever visited other churches. But of course, you've listened to enough on TV or radio. And the declaration of the cross is meaning to most, Jesus died for our sins, and he has redeemed us. He died on Calvary. And that's true. We know that. But that's only one aspect of the cross. When you go to Galatians 5, no, I'm in the wrong chapter, Galatians 2, verse 20. So Paul says, it says here that, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But if you follow the writings of Paul, he adds to that. And this is one of the things he adds. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So Jesus died for us on Calvary. He was crucified. And that is true. And that's what brought us into this you know, area of redemption. But the second aspect of this is that now we are to experience what Paul says, not just know the verse, not just being able to quote the verse, not just reading the verse, but he says something has occurred now in my life. Because Jesus Christ died for me, I preach that. But now because he has died for me, something has transpired now. I am crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And you can hear the message of the cross in church after church after church, Jesus died for you. But in many churches, or maybe some churches, I don't know, I've, I've only experienced you know, going to certain churches over the years, they negate this, now I am crucified with Christ, my life now I have died, and now I am like Christ, and I have rose from the dead, spiritually speaking. Okay, and now my life is not my own. And he goes on and says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this world, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there is something that takes place uh, within that changed Paul. And then in 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so he goes to preach the cross of Christ to the Corinthian church. But remember that if 
there has been a death in your life. We say death to self, death to the old life. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. It's not my life any longer. It's Christ who lives in me. So if, if that is at work functioning in our heart and in our life, when we minister and talk about the cross of Christ, there is a witness now of the life, your life, whomever. You know, if, if this is transpired in your life, not just I've received Christ and I'm born again, no, not just that. But if there has been a death and you have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer you who are alive, now you have this witness of the Spirit in your life so that when you talk about the death of Christ, there's something more there that is witnessing other than just you know, your words saying about Jesus died for you. See, because Jesus died for you, so that you would die for others. You know that, right? That's why Jesus died. He didn't just die to take you to heaven. That's, that's true. I mean, he'll, you'll go to heaven. But he's died, he died for you so that you now, once you come to a place in your life where this work of the Spirit takes place in your life, you want to die for other people. And so now it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. Verse 3. I, I like this. We're back in 1 Corinthians 2. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I believe that one of the most difficult places for the Lord to bring us to is to weakness. So that now something occurs that didn't occur before. Before you were moving in your own strength. And if you're walking with the Lord, you'll find that he will lead you into a place where now you feel overwhelmed. You feel weak. And for you to push forward in your natural strength is very difficult. So you depend upon the Lord and you stay in weakness. So the Lord wants to take us into, into different places. And right away I'm thinking of you know, for example, going to the jail. I would never go there in my own natural thinking or my own natural man. That would be the last place I would want to go. But the Lord has brought us men in that direction, and you have to go there. Well, I have to go there. I go there in weakness. I don't go there saying, well, you know, I have the message now today for you all. I don't go there like that. I go there in weakness, depending upon the Lord to do what he's going to do. Because there is no natural appeal to walking through a doorway and behind you the door locks. And there's no way out unless they open that door. So you there, you're there and you're either there in self or you're there in God. And if you're there in God then you're probably going to be there in weakness. And remember that in, his, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And that's a place that we never want to go. Uh, well, maybe we do sometimes. But for the most part, that's a place we don't want to go. I mean, not just in that area, but I mean in any area of our life. 
So Paul says, I was with you in weakness. Now, you know, you think of the great Apostle Paul. He's with them in weakness. Weakness. And then he goes to verse 4. He says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. So he goes back to this human wisdom thing. His speech, he says in another portion of Scripture, I believe he says his speech was contemptible. So he, he wasn't someone who would woo the masses like we see on TV. You see some of these churches are, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people. I would love to see Paul the Apostle stand there because I know, I know, if they were waiting for the orator, they would be disappointed. And, you know, we relate, the Christians relate to things, I believe, many times incorrectly, and the Lord has to get in there and see if he can change that. But he says, I didn't come that way, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, there was a manifestation, a showing forth of something in the life of Paul. And, of course, we think of miracles, and, and that was probably true, but there was a demonstration uh, or there was an outward working of miracles or whatever it was, but there was also an inward working. See, we never hear about that. You know, you'll hear about, people will say about the miracles and all this. Paul, you know, laid his hands upon this person and this handkerchief and all. They'll center in and hone in on that. But the demonstration of the Spirit in power in the inward man that takes the person to that place where there can be an outward demonstration. See, that's something that is not focused upon because, I believe, that if the focus is placed upon that, then that means that those who minister and preach have to live a certain way, have to walk a certain way, have to move with the Lord and allow Him to work in their life to bring them to weakness. And so uh, the demonstration of the Spirit is not necessarily in touching someone and seeing 100 people slain in the Spirit. I mean, that, that may be part of it, but see, what's, what is going on in the heart of the individual? What of the Spirit has been done in them? What have they allowed the Lord through their cooperation to do in their life that now becomes the seed that can change or, or the seed that can be planted in a new convert that can cause them to walk, not just in newness of life, but walk in a way that is contrary to the world, totally contrary to the world. That your, verse 5, that your faith should, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak, the, we speak wisdom among those who are perfect, the King James says. Uh, New King James says mature. We speak wisdom among those who are growing, those who are growing up. Yet not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So there is a wisdom, 
and you see this in Proverbs, that the Lord wants the believer to seek after. Seek after her as pure gold, it says in Proverbs. And silver. Seek after wisdom. Seek after wisdom. So, you know, if you're going to seek after wisdom, you know what you're going to do. You're going to seek after Jesus. And so, the wisdom here, we speak wisdom. See, in order to speak the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God must be placed in the individual. So, there is for you and for for myself a path in which we must walk. Uh, there is a circumstance that we must navigate successfully to bring to us on a personal level a bit of the wisdom of God. So you're in a circumstance, and if you're attuned to God, the Lord will teach you wisdom as you're walking through that. Now, if you go your own way, you will not get the wisdom of God in that. But if you go his way, then you will obtain the wisdom, a portion of the wisdom of God. He will teach you things in that situation. And then that circumstance changes and you move along to something else. And you'll you'll get something related to wisdom in that. And so the Lord begins to build in the person's life. And he builds this, I'll use the term they use today, this knowledge base. See, he builds the wisdom of God in the individual so that now they can speak the wisdom of God, as he says here. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Do you understand that, you know, we know more here in this church then all the people in the world that don't know Christ, they know nothing about any of this, what goes on here, or in many churches. You, you talk about laying on of hands. You know, you see people come to the altar. Even your born-again experience, people don't know that. They don't understand that. That's a mystery to them. And you start to speak about the things of the Lord that you've, that you've seen. And they have no understanding of what you're talking about. Just recently, I was in this conversation with someone, and another person was there, and the person said something to me, and the other person made this comment about what we were saying related to the Bible. And it was so far removed from truth, they had no clue what was being said. No clue. It was a mystery to them. So you, you go to Corinthians and it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. That's a total mystery to people. It really is. If you're walking in the will of God for your life, and you, you will do certain things that the people look at that and say, that's just, I don't understand. It's just, they don't get it. It's, it's stupidity. It's foolishness to them. This mystery is a mystery to the world, we know that. And of course, there's some things that are mysteries to Christians, too, because of the way they live. But he says, We speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained 
before the ages for our glory. 2 Corinthians 4, he says here in this verse that this hidden wisdom, the hidden wisdom God has ordained for our glory. And in 4.17, Paul says, For our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So who understands what this weight of glory is? You talk to other people. If you, if you mention that to someone, uh, for example, one of your neighbors that, that don't know the Lord, they're, they're not going to have a clue what you're talking about. But see, this hidden wisdom God has ordained for your glory. You're aware, I, I believe, that the Lord is at work in your life trying to place his glory in you. Sufferings of this present time are not worthy compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He's trying to place that in you. Verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. And that can apply to today. People don't know that. The rulers of this age, you know, you listen to Parliament and the British Parliament. You know, it's, it's a circus. I don't know if any of you have ever listened to it. Once in a while, I'll just listen on C-SPAN for a little bit. And you listen to, you know, the politicians here in this country. And this is, this is typical of what goes on in a lot of countries. And they don't have a clue about what was really going on. I mean, they think a lot of these guys are really intelligent. But they're, they're moving on this level, trying to solve certain problems that have a spiritual root. They're trying to solve that in a natural way. And it, it doesn't work. They have no clue what's really going on. If you would try to say, to talk about, you know, hidden wisdom. If you would say, do you know why the murders? Do you know why the rapes? Do you know why the robbery? Do you know why the bribes? Do you know what, well, that's, now we're getting down to their area and all this other stuff. Why? Where, what's the source of that? Well, you know, people were bad. What's really the source of a lot of that? They don't know. They don't know that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not. They don't know that. They don't believe in the God of this world, Satan. So that's totally lost on them. They're interested in their, uh, figuring things out with their mind and their intelligence. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For it is written, and how many times have we quoted this verse? Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Now, if we stop there, we say, well, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It hasn't entered into the heart what God has prepared for those that love him. But if you read the next verse, it's very enlightening. But God has revealed them to us he has disclosed them to us. He has uncovered certain things to us through his spirit. So that eye has not seen. See, my eye, your eye, we will not see what God has prepared for us. Our ears will not hear what God has prepared for us. Our hearts will not understand what God has prepared for us. But... God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. See, and now, if we are moving in the correct way, 
Our eyes should begin to see what God has prepared. Our ears should begin to hear, and our hearts should start to understand what God has prepared for us many, 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 many years ago. He has prepared for you and I here now in our time here on the earth. So it's not this just, you know, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God has prepared somewhere in heaven. No, it says that he has revealed them to us by his Spirit. So he will do that. He will continue as you walk on with him by his Holy Spirit to reveal the hidden wisdom, this mystery, as Paul says. He will reveal certain things to you for the purpose of a work in you and through you and in others. And I like this. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit searches... Um, and that is actually present tense verb. And I like that. Let me finish reading it. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So, so it should read this way since it's a present tense verb. For the Spirit is searching all things. And if you look up the word deep, it means depth. The depth of God. So, so there is, as I see this, there is this desire of the Holy Spirit to search the depths of God for the purpose of placing some things in the Christian. He has revealed them to you by His Spirit. So that you would be a depository. How much is God in your lifetime going to be able to deposit in your spirit? You know, he can do that. He can do quite a bit. You know, you sit in church, and you come to church, or if you sit before the Lord at home and you read the Word, or if you're in some circumstance that's difficult and you say, Lord, I'm going to stay in this place with you, until you bring me out. And in that place now, the Spirit of God is searching the deep things to see what He can place in your heart. And some of the most horrendous situations that a person can be in, if they are in God and their, their heart is toward Him, and they're not trying to get out on their own thinking, in their own way, the Lord can, can put certain things in them that will be in them for all eternity. And so you get into this really difficult situation, and you say, Lord, I don't like this. I don't want to be in this. And that may be true. But if we can stay where God has us and allow Him to work, then He can place things in our heart that we know nothing about at this particular time. And we may not even be able at, at a particular point to articulate what the Lord is showing us or putting in our heart. But later on, we may. Now, verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? So, as I see this verse, there are certain things that are in our spirit that we know. For example, 
if you do something or I do something that has the wrong motive weaved in there, I may know that. I do something for you, and my purpose for that is so that you owe me one. Or there may be a certain way I'm thinking related to a person or a thing or whatever, some situation. And the spirit of man, I will know that. I will know how I'm thinking in a situation. You know how you think in a situation. So the point here is the latter part of the verse. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. That's the point. He's showing us through an example of ourselves. But the point is that no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So unless the Spirit of God goes over there and takes the things of God or, or something there, or some spiritual thing, he knows what it is. He can take that and he can bring that to you and he can show you. He can teach you. He can show you something hidden. But see, if, if we're relating to the natural... Now, that's something different, and we'll get to that in a minute. The natural is the natural. The spiritual is the spiritual. And you can't bridge from the natural to the spiritual using natural means. You just can't do that. It's impossible. Verse 12, For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that, or for the purpose of, knowing the things which have been freely given to us by God. So there is to be a knowing here. It's not a sure thing. It says that we might know, or we may know, the things that are freely given uh, to us by God. So the things that are given to us by God, to know them will take a revelation of the Spirit, or it will take the Holy Spirit to reveal certain things to you and I. Verse 13, These things we also speak, not in words which man's, man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, that verse there, I looked that up, and you can't believe how many different commentaries, how many different ways this latter part of the verse here, that people see this. One of, the, one of the things is there is that you take spiritual things, Scripture, you compare it with Scripture, yes. But he says here, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, the wisdom which he teaches, comparing spiritual things, and remember he just talked about the things of God. He takes the spiritual things, and compares them with spiritual. Spiritual with spiritual. Now, I don't know. It seems to me as though he's saying that the Spirit of God will take spiritual things, and he will bring that to us to compare spiritual. You know, what, what the Lord has done, or what he's showing us, he brings it there so we can start to see something unfold in front of us. Maybe you're not understanding what I'm, what I'm saying. But the, the Holy Spirit can take any situation that we're in. 
any, any situation. And he can bring the things of God and put that there so we can see and understand something and perceive something in spirit that we never, ever saw before, something that will help us in our walk, something that will help us in maybe even teaching or in sharing with other people, giving. And he goes on here and he says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. See, so if we are going to relate to the natural thing, so you can be a Christian and relate to the natural. Uh, I know an individual, he always comes to my mind when I read this. And he received the Lord years and years and years ago in the church and went to church off and on over the years. But any time you talk to him about any, anything, I don't care what it is, he's always relating everything to the natural. And he will take a scripture, and he will read that, and he will, will spin that in the natural. It's, it's, maybe you don't, you don't know anyone like that. And you say, okay, the prophet put the figs on the boil. So you boil figs, and now figs, you, you drink that, and you eat that, and it takes care of stomach ulcers. So it doesn't matter what it is, there's always a natural spin on even a scripture. And even when you say something spiritual, if you know what I'm saying, or from the, from the scriptures, there's always a natural thing there that takes that and twists that. For the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And so we can be in church and relate to things in a natural way. Not depending upon the Spirit of God to take the things of God to teach us, but we can relate to everything on a natural plane. Oh, they're going up front to the altar, they're being prayed for, you know, so on and so forth. And relate to everything on a natural plane, what, what we see here on this level. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because the only way you can know them is if they're spiritually discerned. See, so you, to, for you and I to progress in this Christian walk, we must depend upon the Lord. Now, some of you have heard things ministered in this church for years and years and years. But that by no means means that you get certain things. It doesn't mean that. Certain things will be discerned spiritually. So you need to depend upon the Holy Spirit personally, you having your heart open to him, so that he can begin to teach you the things of God. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man, the human nature, the physical nature, the natural instinct, that, that's all related to the natural man. 
He does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. See, to examine, you can't examine them in a natural thinking. See, they're not examined and discerned that way. They're only examined and discerned spiritually. So how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to show you. Very simple. Verse 15. Remember, it says they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual. Now, who is spiritual here? Nobody wants to raise their hand. (laughs) I don't want people to think I'm, you know, super Christian, spiritual, you know. I've said this before. Do you know what it means to be spiritual? Now, Paul's talking about it here. He says, but he who is spiritual judges or discerns all things. What does it mean to be spiritual? To be spiritual means that the Christian is to be dominated by the Spirit. One who is dominated by the Spirit is spiritual. Not because they have some position in the church. Not because they're on radio or TV. Not because, you know, they speak well. That does not necessarily mean that they're spiritual. The spiritual one is the one who is dominated by the Spirit. And that domination doesn't necessarily mean that they're used in the gifts, in the service, and all that, it means they're dominated in their own spirit. They're dominated. The Spirit of God dominates their spirit. Everything they do, the direction that they take, they're dominated. Well, if a person is like that, now see, this is applying to whoever's like that. If a person is not dominated by the Spirit, then they're, they're, this doesn't apply to them. But he who is dominated by the Spirit discerns all things, yet he himself is rightly discerned by no one. See, because you can't discern that person that way. They have to be discerned by Spirit. The spiritual one is dominated by the Spirit, and the Spirit shows them, not by the natural man and natural thinking. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? So just going back here and closing for a minute, he says, verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now, if you go to to chapter 3, He talks about, in verse 13, that each one's works will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it is revealed by fire. Verse 14, if anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. So those who function, and there are those who function through their natural man, what they do, The works they do, there are those who do works 
based upon their natural thinking. Oh, well, I think that I should do this. I think I should go to the soup kitchen. I think I should do this. I think the Lord might want me to do this. If they're functioning according to their natural man, then their works will be burned. But if a person is spiritual, dominated by the Spirit, then he might say, well, you know, I don't want you to go to the soup kitchen. There's, there's a long list of people that, that, that I have to go there, even though that's something you might want to do. But the Spirit of God is leading you another direction, and you follow that, well, then, then your works will not be burned. See, the, the works that are not burned are those works that are spiritual. They come out from the, dominated, the, the, the person who's dominated by the Spirit. The works that are burned are the works that come forth that are natural works. Now, you know, to feed the poor, you know, that benefits the poor. You know that, right? You, know, you feed somebody. You go to the soup kitchen. You feed somebody. That benefits them. But it may not benefit the person who's doing the work. See, there, there can be a difference there. It may or may not. It just depends. So I, I like this, verse 15, but he who is spiritual. Now, what does spiritual mean? Now, I told you four times. What does spiritual mean? Somebody tell me, what does spiritual mean? He who is dominated by the Spirit. Yes, he who is dominated by the Spirit discerns all things. You may not be able to discern right away, but if he just holds it before the Lord, he'll be able to discern what's of God, what is not. Yet he himself is not rightly discerned by those who are not dominated by the Spirit. So there's quite a bit here in this chapter. And the end of the chapter, as he goes, as he goes on, he talks about the, the, the Spirit of God revealing, taking the things of God and, and revealing the deep things of God. And then he goes on, he talks about the natural man and the spiritual man. For you and I to become dominated by the Spirit... And I'll finish with this. It will take the Spirit of God taking some of the deep things of God and bringing them before us, and that becoming a reality there, becoming a part of our life. We see it, and, and we begin to you know, receive that. And now our eyes are open, and our ears are open, and our hearts are open. And, and now we're on a path that the Lord can now do something in us so that now we don't dominate our own life. We don't do our own thing. But there's a change now. We've died. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And there's a change now, and now we can become Christians as God would have it, dominated by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit. And even though... We all have a natural life, and we do certain things, and you know, we go certain places. The, the Lord can still teach us and help us and direct us. Let's see if I can find his verse. I think it's in 16 here. It says, The preparations of the heart belong to man. Oh, no, it's wrong scripture. Here. A man's heart plans his way. So you make a plan. Say, I'm going to do this. Have you ever done that? I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. A man's heart plans his way, 
but the Lord directs his steps. See, so that's different. If we were to have a heart that even if we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to go do this, we need to be open for the Lord to redirect us. See, that's the spiritual man. So when we went on vacation, I shared this before, when we went on vacation, uh, we went to Atlanta, and then we went to Florida. And we're going right along. We're not that far away from the ocean on the drive. And I thought, well, Lord, and this is what I said, Lord, I would like to go to the to coast there and spend a couple of day, days with, with Linda and spend some time there. And as I went to make plans to do that a couple different times, it's just like it didn't sit right in my spirit. So I said, okay, I don't need the ocean. Nix that. And we didn't. This was a family. We went to see family. And, and so a man's heart plans his way. You can, make, you can make a plan. It's okay. But allow the Lord to be in there to change that. But the Lord directs his steps. That's Proverbs 16.9. And the spiritual man, the one who's dominated by the Spirit, will say, okay, Lord, that's it. It doesn't really matter. I don't really care if I go to the ocean or I don't go to the ocean. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, it's nice, but it's, it's not, not anything that's way up here for me anymore. It's just okay. If you understand what I'm saying. I go, I go. I don't, I don't. It's okay. It's no big deal. I live in God, not in the ocean. Scripture has said, rivers of living.